0: On today's show, a lot of heartburn over the proposed food tax increase.
1: And the question, censure over impeachment? Representative Ben McAdams is on the censure train.
0: Tune in Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11, for Dave and Jujanovic. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for 299 subs. How would you like it? Uh, I'll take Drill Sergeant, please. You got it.
1: All right, now, listen up. I want each and every one of you to drop and give me a six-inch meatball marinara, cold-cut combo, veggie delight, or black forest
0: ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just 2 dollars each. Sir, yes, sir! work! Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras
1: plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied.
0: Welcome to Leadership and People. I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show, we've got Rob Brath.
1: As you create that environment where failure is is accepted, what you, what you have to allow for in that is that when when someone does fail, that there's a there's a culture where you can have you can have that conversation with them about okay, we failed here, but let's let's have a conversation about why we failed. Let's have a conversation about how we then improve the process going forward to ensure that that failure doesn't replicate.
0: Rob, thanks for making time.
1: Great to be here. Thanks, Jess.
0: So tell us what you do for Zions.
1: So I am the Executive Vice President of Marketing and Communications, which in essence means that I have responsibility for all of the um, advertising, internal, external communications, community relations, sponsorships, um, c- community partnerships, Uh, Our website, uh, what we call the Office of the President, all that sort of funnels into into my group. So basically what we say is any communication that comes from the bank, whether it's internal or external, comes out of our team.
0: Yeah. And so uh, for people who may not know or people across the country that might be listening to this, can you give us a scope of how many locations, assets under management, anything to give people a scope
1: of the size? Absolutely. So Zions Bank is uh, under the umbrella of Zions Bank Corporation. That is our Parent company, uh, Zion's Bank itself operates in Utah, Idaho, and Wyoming. We have about 130 branches uh, spread across those three states. Um, been around since 1873, so we've been around for 145 years. We're the largest locally headquartered uh, financial institution, you know, here in we're headquartered in Salt Lake City. Um, so uh, asset size, about 16 to $17 billion in, in assets. So we're a pretty good size organization. Yeah.
0: Yeah. About how many staff approximately? About 2,500. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: So, um, let's, let's dive right into it. Um, you know, the show about leadership and people, we were talking just for a minute about, uh, one of the leaders that's influenced you. Do you want to, do you want to maybe share a bit of that?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, it may be you know, too obvious, but my, really my mentor uh, when it comes to leadership is Scott Anderson. He's the president and CEO of, of Zion's bank. And to me, he embodies what leadership is all about. And I've had the privilege of, I've been here at Zion's for, uh, just over 21 years and I've worked directly for Scott for about 18 of, of those years, but worked with Scott for all 21 of those, those years. And so he, he really has been and continues to be my, my mentor when it comes to leadership.
0: And um, do you have any stories? Is there, is there an example that comes to mind of a classic Scott Anderson story for you or something that maybe either something with you or something about him or just something that can give people some flavor for that?
1: Well, I I think one of the things about Scott is I, I think, which would be maybe sort of atypical for a, for a CEO He's just so nice. You know, and I'm not saying that CEOs aren't nice because they are I know a lot of fabulous CEOs who are incredibly nice, but, but Scott is Scott has a compassion and he has a love for the community. He has a love for the individual. And maybe not so much a specific example, but I but I see it I saw it very early on for me. Maybe I could give you this example that was very personal to me. Um that when I'd been here at Zions Bank for about well, a little under two years, so I this was my my second job out of out of college. I'd been with a, a local communications and PR firm for a couple of years, which was a fabulous experience for me. And then I I made the move and came over here to Zions Bank, and that's a whole other story in and of itself. If we if you want to talk about it, we can. But I had I'd been here for a little less than two years, and and I made the decision to go somewhere else I had another company that recruited me Um, I was flattered by that I was flattered that that someone was interested in me and came to me and said we'd love to have you come work for us and and uh, they were offering what at the time seemed like a lot of money and and so I I I took it And, and frankly I didn't really think about it as probably as thoroughly as I should have and i i left zions and i went to this other organization and i'd been there for just a very short time i mean a couple of weeks and i just realized gosh i think i may have i may have blown it you know i may have made a mistake and this was a fabulous company it's a company that i respect greatly but it just wasn't a fit for me and so i called my uh, former boss at that time and i said look i said i I think I may have made a mistake. Is there any chance you'd take me back? You know, and, and he said, well, he said I wish you would have called me a couple of days ago, but he said we actually just made an offer to someone to, to take your position. And I said, great, I understand. I certainly didn't expect for you to hold on to my job in case I decided I wanted to come back. And uh, so I just resigned myself to the fact that, okay, we're going to make this work. Well, a couple days later I got a call from Scott Anderson and again at this time i i had worked with scott for for a little less than 2 years but you know i was i was a relatively junior person here at the bank at the time and but i get this call from scott and and he says i understand that you may be interested in coming back to, to zion's bank and i said oh scott i you know i was sort of embarrassed you know that he that he was calling and i said you, yeah scott i I just feel like I maybe made a hasty decision and didn't think it through well enough. But I I would be thrilled to come back. And he says, look, I would we would love to have you come back and work for Zion's. And, um, you know, we'll we'll create this position for you. And here's what we'll have you do. And and to me, one, I'll be forever grateful to to Scott for that. And and, uh, I am uh, to this day, I am I am I, I remember that story almost every day. But but what it taught me from a leadership standpoint is, and, uh, you know, that Scott saw something in me that I didn't see in me, and and he created a pathway and an opportunity for me to leverage what he saw in me, and um, I've tried to I've tried to do that, and he continues to do that. Where where he he gives me plenty of rope, you know, which is which can be good and bad. You know, he gives me, he gives me the opportunity to be successful. He gives me the opportunity to build confidence in myself and my, my abilities. He's always done that, but he also has given me the, the, the latitude to fail, which, um, which I've learned a great deal from as well. So,
0: yeah. So thinking about that lesson and kind of learning from that example, what are, what are some of the ways that you've tried to implement that or what does that look like for your team?
1: well I, a few things i would mention one one is that i my philosophy is that i try to hire really good people and then let them do their jobs and so but i but i also think that that within that there's a responsibility that we have not just even those who you again give a give a long rope to there's still opportunity for coaching and mentoring and and so what i've tried to do is just what scott's done for me is give my employees a long rope and give them the opportunity to succeed and to, to find themselves and to see within themselves their ability to do things that maybe they didn't realize they could do and give them the opportunity to to fail. And so what I, what I have tried to do as well is that, you know, when they fail, I, I, um, I, am not, I don't punish them. I'm not harsh in, in that because I think that each of us, we're all going to fail and we're going to fail over and over again Um, But if we if we have a fear of failure, I I think we limit ourselves. And so I've I've tried to emulate what Scott taught me by giving my employees that same that same leash um, while at the same time uh, trying to give them guidance and direction that they need as well.
0: Well I, I want to talk about this. So our consulting firm mine we work with all these different CEOs and commanding generals and blah blah blah, right? And a lot of times we'll be working with somebody who's realizing, "Hey, you know, we we our culture maybe isn't uh, as daring as they could be, isn't as yeah. bold as they could be. There's yeah. a little bit of uh CYA, you know, kind of stuff." Sure. And so you know, this idea of let people fail, uh, it's kind of scary. It is. Right? Yeah. And so when you if you were to give guidance to some other senior leaders who are saying hey we want to we want to open up this a little bit what guidance would you give about how to know you know what are the left and right limits how do we let them know hey this amount of failure is is reasonable because yeah. a free for all doesn't
1: work no no
0: holding the reins too tight doesn't work you know yeah. walking that that balance beam in the middle what kind of guidance would you have for somebody well and I,
1: you know i wouldn't hold myself out as an expert on this by any stretch but but I but I have seen what Scott's done, and I, and I've tried to implement it. Uh, obviously, within our industry, you know, we're in the the banking highly business, regulated, highly regulated, and-, and so there are there are some pretty hard and fast do's and don'ts. And so there are there are some failures that are just not acceptable at at all. And so I think part of this process is clearly understanding what are the what are those areas, what are those places where you know to to quote the famous line where failure is not an option where you just you there's a certain limit so there's we operate within that that uh, realm in terms of the regulatory environment that we're in and so we understand where those guardrails are within which you know if we go beyond those those guardrails failure isn't an option so I think that is one thing is under clearly understanding that and making sure that that's clearly known making sure that as as you try to create this environment where failure is accepted but but it's not a free for all you, you 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 set those parameters and say okay um we we can't walk in we we can't walk on this ground uh, and so but then i think uh you know what what i would say is as you create that environment where failure is is accepted what you, what you have to allow for in that is that when when someone does fail that there's a there's a culture where you can have you can have that conversation with him about okay we failed here but let's let's have a conversation about why we failed let's have a conversation about how we then improve the process going forward to ensure that that failure doesn't replicate and it, so that's not just a willy-nilly hey you know what do what you want and if you fail there there's no repercussions for it well you know i'm not going to fire fire you for failure unless you unless it's in some of these other these other areas where it's clearly out of bounds but within within the bounds that we've we've set right we'll we'll try to create that environment where failure is accepted but that failure then leads to a discussion it leads to you know a a, a movement forward um, as opposed to just well we we missed that one Let, let's get the next one that that kind of environment doesn't work it it has to be coupled with a process for engaging in conversation about it
0: yeah you know you hear about those organizations you know this hotel hey you can make you can make any decision in favor of a guest up to $100 without any approval or right. $1000 or whatever right. you know whatever the number is right for their industry and like it's almost like the safety net of giving them that guidance of like how much you know where is the safe zone for experimentation and right and because it seems like in my observation, I want to hear your thoughts on this. It seems like in the absence of clear parameters, nobody wants to skate near the edge no question right so let's let's err on the side of safety and yeah. let's not even you know let let's let's leave all that unused potential experimentation out because now I'm out into the risky zone because they don't yeah. know where the line is right There's no
1: question i mean i this this may sound silly but about a week ago i for the first time i visited the grand canyon and uh which it's just spectacular you know but but i went with my my two of my three of my brothers and where we went we wasn't we didn't go to the the typical tourist place where you go where there's all the guardrails and the we went and i i'm forgetting the the name of the the exact location but you you drive for about you know <laughs> 30 30 miles on this dirt road longer than that 40 50 miles on this dirt road and then the last four or five miles requires um you know a a high clearance vehicle and so it's not just anybody can get out there so we're we're out there and we're out there all by ourselves and we're standing on the edge of the grand canyon and it's three thousand feet you know straight down and you know, in the absence of having those guardrails there, you know, again, what what I found myself doing was was hugging the the, the side of the rock that was furthest away from from the edge because you know it's, it was a, it's it does something to you physically when you're looking over that edge. But in context of what you were just saying, Jess, you know, I think absent having those guardrails there, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna tend to hug the hug the side of the mountain so that we're not anywhere close to the edge because in that situation you know you get too close to that edge and 3000 feet down there's there's not much there that's going to going to save you and i think i think the same really is true as we think about leading and and managing others if we if we set those parameters we set those guardrails and say okay again clearly these are the these are the bands within which we need to regulatory, operate. Regulatory
0: catastrophic Regula- loss. Yeah. Reputation
1: loss. Exactly. I mean and you and you're clear about what those are and you're intentional about what those are. And those targets don't those targets don't move. You know, yes the regulatory environment can change, but you know, some, thinking about our industry, you know, the things that we would set as the guardrails, those aren't changing from day to day. So you're not changing the rules every day. But then you say, you know, within within those guardrails we want to create that environment in which you're free to think, you're free to explore, you're free to fail. Um, I think that's healthy.
0: Well, and think about the space of marketing, right? You yeah. know, it's maybe it's part science, but it's also part art. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, can you give us a couple of examples of, of a couple of years that fell flat, and then a couple that did great?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I w- without g- getting into into too many specifics you know there there are certainly times when we roll out a a marketing campaign or a marketing effort that that we may think hey this is this is spot on this is this is really going to do it and we put it out there and
0: and you'll spend how much on it just give me a, a Oh guess. I
1: mean it can be as much as any particular campaign could be 300,000 to 750,000 you know depending on the the nature of the of the program and sometimes they work and and uh sometimes they don't work as well as we'd like them to and and what we've been able to do more recently is you know we we've set um measurements in place so that along the way we can measure so it's not I mean if you go back it's 20 all or nothing. You go back 20 years ago when I when I first started doing this um, you, know, you, you 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 sort of made the investment up front and you pushed it out there and then a couple months later you found out whether it worked and now You know we can be much more precise, and we can measure it along the way, and we can make adjustments, which really helps. Um, And so, frankly, that gives us also, I think, a little more leeway to fail. If you and I think we have to be clear how we define fail too. It's not failure; isn't that always this catastrophic event? It's just that hey, maybe it didn't do what we originally expected it to do. But now we have the ability to. To fail fast or to learn fast from our failures or or from our successes so you now when we roll out campaigns we can we can measure along the way and say hey this is really knocking it out of the park so let's let's invest more or let's you know we've got three or four different iterations of a of a message out there and this one's clearly performing better than the other so let's now let's let's divert funds that we had put over here into this because that's what's being successful. We we can do that now, and, and to me, that also allows us to, to have a little more flexibility in terms of our ability to be creative and to uh, n- not always have to be so concerned about being so precise and so perfect out of the gate. Because we can we can fail faster, and we can learn faster from those failures.
0: Yeah. When you think about when you think about that growing process and the you know what the the advantage of measurement. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um but yet it's still humans that have to do the measuring right. and have to recognize the pattern and make the decision, right. right? You know, we we have listeners from dozens of different countries. They may not all understand just what a dominant position you guys have in the market here. Yeah. When you think about how you have done so well as far as owning the customer mind in these regions, um can you talk more about why what you attribute that to and and you know, Sure.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would I would mention a couple of things. Um, you know, we operate in a very competitive space, um, and um, we have been around in this market. We, meaning Zion's Bank, has been around in this market, as I said, for about 145 years. But it really has been in about the last 20, maybe 30 years that 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 Zion's Bank has really elevated to a to a position of prominence you know we had one of our major competitors um with with whom we um had competed for for years um they were again about 20 years ago they were acquired by a a large national bank and and they had been uh, one of the key community players um in terms of you know they 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 sponsored all of the major events and things that were happening in the community, they were very actively engaged in the community and when that acquisition took place we we made a very conscious decision to say that's a position in the marketplace that that we want to own that's that that is that is some a piece that we want to carve out and say that's who we are because we had been that we had been a major contributor to the community for 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 decades, but we said we really want to own that space and i you know i would attribute much of the prominence of our brand positioning in the marketplace to that to that decision to you know one of the compliments i i hear often is people will say oh i we see zion's bank everywhere you know zion's bank is everywhere well we can't literally be everywhere and so when people say that to me i get excited about it because what it tells me is that we are where people expect us to be or it's where they want us to be or where it's important for us to be and we work very hard at that at at trying to identify what are the important needs of the community we recognize it at at its heart banking is very much a local business banking is very much a personal business i mean even today with all of the technology and with with uh, all of the um Ways in which people can access their financial institution. Banking, at its heart, is still a very local and a very personal business. And so, I would attribute much of our brand success to that decision to become actively engaged in the community, and then and then be consistent with that uh, over a number of years. It's
0: interesting the value of consistency, huh?
1: Yes, in fact, we you know we have a. We have a tagline that we say we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. And it's a tagline that we um, created, again, about 20 years ago. And we've stayed with it for 20 years. And we have discussion probably every year where we say, is it time to do something different with that? Well, there's something to be said for consistency, whether it's consistency in a brand or as a leader, There's something to be said for consistency in your behavior, not only that your behavior is consistent over time, but your behavior is consistent with what you say. There's 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 something to be said for consistency, for sure.
0: Love it. I think it's a great place to end part one of the interview. Everybody tune back in. we're going to hear some more from Rob in part two. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for two ninety nine subs. How would you like it? Uh, I'll take drill sergeant, please. You got it. (laughs) All right, now, listen up. I want each and every one of you to drop and give me a 6-inch meatball marinara. Cold-cut combo, veggie delight, or black forest ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just 2 dollars each. Sir, yes, sir! Tubway. Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied.